And it was a point spread palooza Saturday at the Coliseum. We kick it off right now. Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock a doodle doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals in Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love 33. you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the, him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start March. Yeah. And yes. And yes. Your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the year, by the way. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. I know. Chris Morales. It's a touchdown. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? That's really a good one. Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. Darnold back to pass on third and five, throws, it's complete, another tight end, Tyler Petit, touchdown, and the Trojans have the lead. As the man says, welcome into the Trojansports.com podcast, I am Chris Morales, I don't sound like it, I sound a little sultry and smooth on this Sunday night. I don't know, guys. A tooth is like uh, a tooth having to be pulled. A wisdom tooth has rocked my world for weeks now, it seems like. Yeah, you know, it, it really has rocked your world. and uh, um, But I think that you sound a little bit more like the ladies' man right now. Beautiful. Well, luckily, well, I'm talking well, to you, Tim too. Meadows reference, so, you know, whatever. I'm talking yeah, to you, too. Yeah, that was a really bu- good movie. I'm talking to you, two bums, it. though. And we're talking over each other because we're so excited that USC is now officially on a winning streak. It's great. Can we call it a winning streak yet? I, I think it had to be three. Well, two out of three ain't bad, as someone once From said. The movie Major League. Yes, thank I think you. They, uh, they said it had to be three. Coming up on the show, we're going to break down USC Colorado. USC 21, Colorado 17. Point spread was four and a half if you're a betting man, even if it's entertainment only. Plus, we have the Chris Swanson Weekly. Do you remember Max Brown feature? I'm sure ahead. <laughs> Adam and Chris will argue. We might talk some recruiting. And we'll preview what's ahead for the Trojans. Saturday at the Coliseum, of course, it was on the Pac-12 network, which means I didn't get to see it. I listened to the radio broadcast with Pete Arbogast, John Jackson. So, Adam, I'll start with you. Take me in. Be my eyes. Oh, no. What do you want? Well, I want it all. Why don't you tell me, did it feel? Because listening on the radio, it didn't feel at any time that Colorado really could win the game. Even with the two-touchdown comeback, it still felt like USC was in command. But there in the Coliseum, where it was the nerves... Were they racking up there? Were you getting nervous? No, I, I wasn't at all. But um, I, I think that's fair. I don't, I don't think that while Colorado had made a good comeback, they were really threatening to take over the game. And uh, USC did enough to just keep them at bay. But um, maybe a little bit too close for comfort for some people. Yeah, way too close for comfort, I'd say. Not given what Colorado is and, you know, what they were supposed to be and where they were ranked coming into the game, but given what we found out about that game very early on, which is what, you know, has happened with USC Colorado in recent years, is that USC was clearly the more talented, more physically impressive team. And at 14 to nothing, it felt like it should have been 28 to nothing. So I think that. In that game, while it may not have felt at any point like USC was really in danger of losing the game, it felt like, could USC manage to lose this game? A game that they should be winning big. I feel like that was what, at least what I took away from it, was USC should have been blowing Colorado out. Not you know That's not what I expected before the game, but watching the game and seeing how it went, that's what should have been happening. And it really came down to, was USC going to manage to lose this one? They didn't. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound too hard on USC because I think that the Trojans should be commended for that effort, for getting a win over, you know, the leader in the division 
at a crucial moment and really saving their season, you know, when they, when they did make a stand late and, and, and then, you know, uh, with their last drive, it's a big deal, but I just felt like that game should have been a little bit and not a little bit, a lot more lopsided than it was. And I think that's yeah. part of the growing pains right now with USC. What happened, Chris? Did you run out of pins for your clay held voodoo doll in the second half? <laughs> I don't even know if I should answer that. CCH, as David Wall calls him, which we always like on the boards. Adamaya. As we heard tonight in the presidential debates, your rebuttal. (laughs) No, I I don't have one. I I pretty much agree with Chris. Um, USC probably got within one mistake away from from giving themselves a chance to lose. It, It took a spectacular play from Darius Rogers to to hold Colorado off. Basically, Darnold threw a pass that was about to be picked off. He thought it was going to be. Helton thought it was going to be. And Rodgers wouldn't allow it to be. Uh, maybe one of the more memorable plays that we've seen in recent years. And, uh, and I think with a, I guess, a fairly young, at times, immature team, you're going to get in situations like this and it was good to see USC find a way to win because they have a hard time in these 50-50 games. They typically need to be winning by a lot. And we saw a lot of that, I remember, in the Steve Sarkeesian era where either they lost by a little or they won by a lot. They didn't win too many games by just a few points. And, and the Utah game was an example of how the game typically went the last two years. This game was one where I think we saw some growth and we saw, like I said, a play from Darius and there were a couple other plays that, um, that USC didn't make before that they made in this one. And, uh, you think maybe they'll make in the ensuing weeks because I'm looking at the pac 12 and, no one's really good other than Washington. I think that's it. I think that they're very good. I don't know how good yet. I don't know that they're a top five team in the country, but they're definitely a top 15 team. I don't know. Putting, uh, putting that, up 70 on Oregon, that, that was pretty good on Saturday. Yeah. and But, but then after that, I don't know who, who else is, is really worthy of being ranked in this conference. It, it, we might just rank at the end of the year. So USC actually has a, a pretty, I think, pretty great opportunity here to to go on a run. But uh, whether they do or not, I feel like they're going to be in some tight games moving forward. And uh, I think this is the kind of game where, while, yeah, you would have liked to one by 20, um, you have something to to take away from that you're going to need when you're in a, another dogfight. Cause this became a dogfight when it shouldn't have been when it shouldn't have blow out. And you're, you're right. Maybe it's actually better for them too, that it became that way that, you know, they, they had another tough close game and they had to win that way because they will have those games going forward. Kind of want to go back to what you said about the pack 12. Adam, I want to get your opinion. Um, where do you kind of see them? I know that there's the standings, obviously, but where do you see them in this race? Because now all of a sudden I think that they they might win this division. Yeah, I think that they could and maybe should be the number two team in the Pac-12. Who's the number two team right now? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not Stanford, and it's not really Utah, but those two teams beat USC. They have that trump card. But if we're just looking at the, the big picture, you know, as far as like a neutral field, who wins right now? I don't know. After Washington, I don't know. I don't know who the, the next best team is. I think it could be USC. And, and maybe it should be. Yeah, I, I'm right with you. Uh, you know, and honestly, I, I think that if I had to make a pick right now, I'm picking USC to win the South. Yeah. There, there, there really aren't any, there's no excuses not to. 
it's it's uh, things have changed. I think that the defense, the flaws that we've talked about in the past of them, USC has a very, I think, has a very talented secondary. I think their inside linebackers have been good and, and maybe even a pleasant surprise outside of Cam Smith, really, the play there. I think that their flaw, their flaws along the defensive line, which was exposed, you know, against Alabama and Stanford, that's not going to be exposed in very many games going forward. You know, football is a game about, you know, with matchups, and I think that you. USC actually matches up well against a lot of the offenses in the Pac-12 that they have to play, you know, uh, in the nickel. Uh, you know, we talked about how they might not be able to get out of that and how that might be a problem. Might not actually be a problem for them looking at the rest of their schedule now. And I think that their offense with Sam Darnold is it's completely different. I know they're still not scoring the way I, that I would expect them to, and I'd expect them to score more. But it seems like USC – it's probably one of the best offenses in the Pac-12 in terms of moving the ball at this moment. I don't know if you disagree with that or not, but I think no, when I think they, of explosive offenses in the Pac-12, they, they're up there now all of a sudden. So um, They moved I, the ball in all three games that John has played, but turnovers have been a major issue both in the Utah game and in the Pac game versus Colorado. They're basically beating themselves on offense. And so they ended up with three touchdowns when they could have had probably six or seven. But they weren't really stopped by Colorado very often. How many times did they punt in this game? Oh, I'm not even sure. But if it felt like they should have scored, you know, 49 points, 42 points, something in that range. You know, yeah. In, in a game – that where Colorado played good defense, and I felt like you know it was actually it wasn't a high paced Pac-12 game. It was one of it was actually more of a low scoring, you know, in a pace of of a game that's more low scoring. And USC dominated. It was kind of the opposite of what happened when USC played Stanford. I felt like in a way, uh, Colorado has a good defense. Uh, you know, and and they and they played USC very well, but USC still should have scored in the 40s because they've just dominated them physically. I felt like, and they were just too athletic and too good for them. Uh, it it just felt like you know a a butt kicking and a low scoring game that should have gone out of control. I felt like SC should have scored in the 40s, and it's not a game where you know I expect them to score in the 40s in that type of game. Yeah, you know? so it's really impressive, honestly, for USC. I thought that it was one of their best performances, and then it turned just turned into you know a close, tight, competitive game, and and you know not a great performance somehow. I'm not really sure how to what to make of this game because well, of that. That that, that was all turnovers. Their first eight possessions, they scored two touchdowns. They scored two touchdowns on uh, two of their first four drives. But they had a fumble, then they had two more fumbles in the third quarter, and then they had an interception after that. So they had three consecutive possessions in that third quarter where they turned the ball over. So they basically just asked Colorado, they begged Colorado to get back in the game. And then Colorado responded. And they, they you know scored the two touchdowns. But this game wasn't as competitive if you remove those turnovers, they, they, they amassed over 500 yards of offense. And you'd be hard-pressed to find instances where you move the ball that well and ended up with 21 points. So not that those, turn, I mean, those turnovers matter. That, that's what I'm saying. But they're not indicative of issues uh, with the offense with respect to driving the field. It, we should probably just talk about the turnovers and, and what they mean and and what you know what needs to be changed there. I think that would be a more probably constructive conversation at this point. So why so many fumbles? In Utah, we were able to blame the field being a little moist. But what Sunday was definitely not moist at the Coliseum. Yeah, I, I think with, with Sam Darnold, you're going to get some of that. I think because of the type of quarterback he is, he's now had a couple of fumbles where he's just a little bit reckless with the ball. He takes off. He picks up a big chunk of yardage, and he's not uh, – he doesn't naturally run, although he's a natural runner. But if you, if you know what I mean, he doesn't run a lot. He's not a running back. He's not running the ball 20 times a game. He's running the ball maybe six or seven. And so – that's not his uh, primary objective. And therefore, he would need to be more careful, 
Helton talked about him needing to, to hold the ball with two hands when he takes off, when he when he really leaves the pocket and, and breaks the line of scrimmage. He needs to treat it like he is a running back at that point. He's still kind of holding it like as if he were going to pull up and throw or something. Um, so I, I think that's what you're getting there. Justin, he has a little bit of a fumbling issue. Um, I think I think he got popped. I think the the, uh, the helmet knocked the ball out. But um, I, I just felt like with him, it, you know, it's not like a regular occurrence, but it has happened a little bit. And um, you know, I think with him, it's probably going to also be a matter of his style and needing to protect the ball a little bit more. It, it's not atypical, I guess, for a running back especially one that is the feature back. But the interceptions were something a little new. The, the interception that that Darnold threw over the middle, I hadn't seen that one before. We hadn't seen that in all of spring, all of training camp. We don't see that in practice with him. Typically, it was a, a, a fluky play that he would get picked off on where maybe the receiver tipped it first um, or, you know, maybe the receiver went the wrong way. You know, it, it often wasn't really on Darnold. And this one, it looked like he held the ball too long. He kind of telegraphed what he was doing. And from my vantage point, if the guy that picked it up hadn't gotten it, there was another guy right there that would have intercepted that pass. So it was just a poor decision. He doesn't make a ton of them, but um, he looked like a rookie in that second half where he had like a near perfect first half, the entire second half. He really looked a bit flustered and it is his third start. And so I don't know that this is going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, I expect it from a young a young quarterback. Uh, we we see it almost universally, and maybe we got in a little bit spoiled by how he had played in the first two games, and you know he had some close calls in that Utah game specifically where he could have been picked off and he wasn't, and and now it happened. So, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, it's it's with him. It, it's a. It, I agree with everything you said. I think it's a young quarterback thing, and just issues you're going to see when you're playing an experienced secondary too, which Colorado had and a good defense. I expect mistakes like that to happen. I think Sam Darnold's been amazing, so I, I'm not going to criticize him throwing you know one bad interception against this Colorado defense. He's he's been incredible, and I fully expect him to to end up being one of the best quarterbacks in USC history. I think when everything is all said and done. Um, the, and I agree with you on, on his fumbles too, with he's a rushing quarterback. USC is not used to that. You're going to see that Justin Davis. We have seen it in the past. I, I kind of wonder about the discipline uh, of the running backs. Um, and, and maybe this isn't entirely on the coaching. Maybe this is on the frustration that they're having, uh, trying to, you know, break big runs and get big numbers. I'm not sure that, you know, ball security is the first thing on these running backs' minds right now. And I think that when you look at average yards per carry and what's been happening throughout this season with the running game, that's the reason, um, at least in my mind. Um, I, I think that you, I'm just seeing guys trying to, break big plays all the time you're not really getting in the chance and sometimes you're going to see fumbles that's that's kind of how, what i uh take into it what i'm kind of wondering about though are these recent turnovers um and i'm wondering if it's going to plague usc going forward because usc has quite the run going at the coliseum right now actually but it seems like uh on the road they, they're having trouble winning or away from the Coliseum, I guess yeah. I should say. Um, turnovers, I feel like you can't overcome on the road. Yeah, I'm worried if that trend doesn't stop, if USC is going to be able to win on the road against some of these other teams, uh, that could definitely come up you know, and bite them in the butt, I think. And I think that with the young quarterback, you're expecting interceptions down the line, especially on the road. So the fumbles, I believe, have to get cleaned up for USC to be successful this season. That's a great point. USC had not won a game in which it had a minus three turnover margin since the year 2000. Which, yeah, and that's, that's insane. 
And that's another thing that, you know, not many teams are winning in general when they turn the ball over three more times than their opponent. So they they kind of got away with one to some, you know, to some respect in that, you know, they play great defense. They put a lot of pressure on their defense and their defense collectively was, I think, the MVP of this game because when you keep giving the ball back like that, you're making it really hard. The time of possession ended up being equal or near equal in this game, despite the fact that USC outgained them by, you know, about 170 yards and really would have outgained them by maybe two to 300 yards if they would have just not turned the ball over. They would have finished some of these drives and turned them into points as well. But uh, there was a recipe for complete domination in this game. And this is not a game that you win on the road. So that, that's a great point. Colorado's better than they have been. So uh, it, it wasn't like they just were competing with a, a you know a weak team and and how you know how, how could they not beat beat them by 30? It's just that USC was playing really well. They were playing well offensively minus turnovers and playing really well defensively. And so it had the making of, of a one-sided affair on the you know on the road when you go to even Arizona, but um when you go to you know Washington, I mean you, they better not turn the ball over more than once in that game. Uh, I don't even know if they can afford one. And UCLA, UCLA is a game where there's no way they can get away with turning the ball over multiple times unless they're going to take the ball away, but that hasn't really been a trademark of this defense. They're, they're building, but they, they haven't gotten to that point where they're, they're taking the ball away from their opponent. And can they afford it this week? Because while it is Arizona, uh, a team that looks bad, Arizona did take Washington into overtime uh, yeah. at home. And I think on the road, you can't afford them. So I, I think USC needs to figure it out quickly because I think this game at Arizona uh, is all of a sudden – Incredibly important. USC has to put away, you know, the the teams that are in the cellar right now in their division because USC lost to the teams at the top, hold Colorado and Arizona State, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh, it co- seems yeah. yeah, it seems like they have to continue to, to put these teams away that are below them if they're gonna have a chance to do something. So Yeah, they, they're in ball. a I, I didn't realize it last week, but they're actually in a bit of a precarious position in terms of the division. They basically will likely need a like a three-way tie, like has happened in the past, and hope that they prevail in a tiebreaker scenario, maybe with Utah, well, pretty much with Utah and somebody else, because USC already has two conference losses. And I'm going to say they're going to have three minimum because of Washington. Therefore, with Utah having a head-to-head tiebreaker, they would need Utah to lose four conference games. Well, that's that's possible, but I wouldn't say it's probable. And so they have to hope that Utah has three conference losses alongside of them and another team does as well, like a Colorado or UCLA or ASU, someone that USC will have beaten to fall in a three-way tie and you know, from there, I, we have to see what happens with the tiebreaker. That's what they need. So, while I think that they're good enough to win the division and and basically be the next best team in the Pac-12, they they might not get that opportunity to show it because of those two losses to Stanford and Utah. That Utah one really, really hurts. You give them a win there, and it, their whole the whole complexion of the season, I think, is much different. Oh, totally, and and just the fact that USC was up so big on the road in a game where it, they were running well in the rain, it yeah. just it just seemed like everything. It was like that's exactly where USC wanted to be in that game. And it okay. didn't work out. Well, so it's painful. That's I think all. there might be some parallels between that game and what we saw versus Colorado. While USC did turn the ball over on three consecutive possessions, as I mentioned earlier, they got a bit conservative, too, in that second half. Uh, re- really after they went up 14 nothing, I felt like. They were still moving the ball, but it just seemed like 
they were sitting on their lead a little bit. Did you have that feeling? Uh, yeah, I, but I also had the feeling that Colorado's defense was really good and that the game should have been out of hand. So it, it, that part of it kind of changed the complexion of the game uh, a little bit for me because I felt like Colorado's defense was playing out of its mind a little bit because it knew that you know they had a chance to win somehow. Um, but I'm with you. I think that the play calling does get ultra-conservative with leads. I think that USC tries to not lose and i've seen that that's been a problem really ever since carol um you know uh that's one of those things that sticks out there's a few things that i can say ever since carol left this hasn't been the same and that's one of them honestly is that um even with kiffin who i defend even with sarkeesian who i've turned into a defender of um i felt like with leeds and this might be an offensive coordinator, like a genius offensive coordinator deal where you overthink things and, you know, you kind of, you play not to lose all of a sudden. That's what I see. You don't, I don't see USC try to end games, go for kill shots, you know. Uh, I would think it would be the other in, way. Having a, a, a quarterback as your head coach, usually you see that more from defensive-minded coaches. It's odd to me that they would be playing not to lose. With Helton and coach, I I don't know. That's just how I feel sometimes with their offense. I, yeah, I felt that I agree. way for I years, too. honestly. Um, yeah, and, and I, I felt know, like I Carol was the well. opposite. Yeah. yeah. Well, fe- Carol got that. Way. No, in no way, though. In no way, he was. Uh, you know, and he could afford you. They had a historically well, good defense. <laughs> to be fair, that year uh, he could play that way because it never cost them. Like the, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, like yeah. the, in the game that they lost, had nothing to do with that. So right. you're right. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, but uh, it probably has something to do with Justin Davis going down. I think that this is a whole different team right now with when he's not on the field. They just had a hard time running with Oxcentric Ware. Ronald Jones ran a little bit better in the second half when he came in on the final two drives. But they're not running the ball nearly as effectively without Justin Davis, who I anticipate will not play in this Arizona game. And then I give him a, uh, a puncher's chance at playing versus Cal because there is a bye week. And so that would be really the third week that he'd be trying to come back. He's a high ankle sprain. And typically those take between two and four weeks, depending on how the ankle heals. They're all a little bit different. But he's not playing this series on the game. So um, the offense that we saw in the second half without him and the one that we saw, uh, likewise, in the Utah game without him. Remember, they didn't, they didn't go back to him after the, the third quarter. That's the one that they're going to take Arizona. What do you think about that offense? You know, <laughs> this is what I think. I mean, I, Sam, okay, I feel like I've, I can mention a lot of players on offense that are incredible for USC right now. I feel like Sam Darnold's going to end up being probably one of the five best quarterbacks in USC history. Um, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is one of the best wide receivers in college football right now. I think that all these tight ends and receivers have all of a sudden emerged and started looking really good for USC. Um, But Justin Davis was USC's most important offensive player because Justin Davis was the only one that got the run game to a point of being more than good, I would say. Um, almost great. I'm not sure that he had the opportunity to get it to even where it could have been. Um, the other running backs, I feel like, for USC have been a problem this year, uh, an issue. Um, Ronald Jones has obviously gone through a slump. We've talked about that. Uh, it's been being to death now, I think, a little bit. Aka Cedric Ware is probably a good running back. I don't know why he's getting carries in these games uh, as much as he has been when Justin Davis was healthy. And I, and I, th- that's what I want to bring this to really is actually a discussion about the running back rotation. I'm going to tell you where I want USC to go uh, without Justin Davis. And I want to see if you agree, give Ronald Jones the ball 
as many times as possible and let Akra Cedric wear carry it when Jones is uh, can't breathe on the sidelines and, and needs an oxygen mask. That would be my suggestion to the USC coaching staff because now is an opportunity to get the most explosive running back on your roster, the chance to be that. And if it doesn't work out, then he loses the job, I guess, and you go to the next guy. But they need to get Ronald Jones going. And so this is the time to do it because Justin Davis isn't there. So you're not taking carries away from anybody and a guy that's really good. You need him to go. I would say plan to give him 25 carries. That would just be my suggestion. Okay. Yeah. I I think it's a – Something that they have to strongly consider. There are a few things I'm thinking about the situation moving forward, you know, in a world without Justin. Running backs typically need multiple touches to get into a rhythm. We saw last year that Ronald Jones was that rare exception where he could just get five or six carries and you look up and he had 70, 80 yards because he broke a couple of them for 20 plus. So, it appeared like he was that unique and he could really just kind of come in and be a spark plug and then come out. But then in the second half of the year, last year, that that wasn't nearly as effective as it was in the first half. Now that's when Hilton took over. And so that might've been a byproduct of the changes that he had made on offense. But really since Hilton has been the, uh, the interim coach, Jones has usually struggled. Now, not, not in every instance. He did have a 170-yard game versus Arizona last year, and Helton was a coach. So there, there were a couple nice games there. But there's been about you know, nine or ten where his yards per carry was under four, and sometimes you know even under three. Whereas the first half of the year, uh, in all but I think the Stanford game of 2015, Jones was putting up like eight, nine, ten yards of carry. It with just a few carries. So I say all that because I feel like this year they have given him the ball. You know, he he's not just getting two or three carries. He had one five carry game versus Utah State. That's the game where he, he injured his ribs and he only played one half. But he typically has gotten he his uh carry per game is higher now than it was a year ago. He's just struggling. And the coaching staff has not had an answer for it. It's been asked every week. And and obviously if they knew, then I think they would have solved it by now. So they still don't know. But what you're speaking to is that we do know that, that we do know what Ronald Jones is capable of. Where with like Cedric Ware Maybe he is a fine back. Maybe he's better or even a lot better than what he's showing. But he's still a bit of an unknown. So I think one way to play it would be, like you said, you commit to Ronald Jones. I think another thing that they're going to be forced to do is, well, I would I would agree to going with, with the intention of running Ronald a lot in that first quarter. But if it's ineffective... And I mean a sincere effort. I don't mean like three carries for five yards. So it's going to depend on, you know, how many plays they get in that first quarter. But let's say he gets, you know, eight to ten carries and he still had just a couple yards of carry. I think you're going to have to be ready to to be a little bit more creative then. And then not just throw wear in there and have him – run right into a wall. Because that's what it looks like a lot of the time when he's carrying the ball right now. You know, and I, I like where I've kind of pushed for him at times because of what I've seen from him in practice. But it's just not working either. Well, they do have another tailback on their roster. And it's going to be less conventional than, than what we've seen from USC. But Dominic Davis is there. And he's available. He's healthy. I think you have to you have to be willing and ready to to go to him at some points if things aren't working with Ronald Jones. I, but uh, I, 
one other point I do want to make is I, w- I would say I, I wouldn't want to split it 50-50 with Ware and Rojo. I'd want to make it imbalanced in favor of Rojo, and but feel it out. Feel it out. And if it's still not going, because to me, it, it doesn't make sense that only Justin Davis can run behind this line consistently. You know, Justin's good, and he's, he's an all-around back, and I call him Mr. Underrated. But the way that, that Ware and, and Rojo are running, it, it makes me wonder, is Justin just that smart and that experienced that he's finding the smallest holes that are, that are barely there and making all the right cuts, and he's that much more patient than the other two guys where they just – can't really run behind this line. I mean, it, it's really confusing what's going on here. It I, is confusing. I can't remember this. We've seen this stable for years, and I just can't remember a time where only one guy was effective. Yeah, it's it's really confusing. Um, I honestly think it has to do with issues with the offensive line up front, and Justin Davis is just experienced enough and making decisions fast enough that he can find the hole and get through it and then the other guys can't you know with their eyes can't see it uh develop that you know that fast and that's how fast it's developing right now in terms of the holes opening up that's really what i think it's just you know quick open quick close and justin davis is really the only guy with you know the 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 experience the decision making ability to find those holes that's really how i feel um another suggestion i'd make for the coaching staff is You've just lost somebody that's arguably arguably your best offensive player. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not, but arguably. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why if not, not number one using the top three? Yeah. So why not use a Dory Jackson against Arizona? As a running back? On offense. Just least. on offense in general. Just on offense in general, because this is my thought on it. Is USC secondary is good, is talented. There should be more rotation there, I would say. Uh, you know, at safety, maybe even at cornerback. I know that Dory's great and, and Ma Marshall's great too, but maybe, you know, they have some other capable guys on the roster. That's my point. Use those guys. Arizona's defense can't handle Adoree Jackson as a receiver in the backfield. Remember, he did have an 11-yard rush from the backfield this season. <laughs> okay. He can do it. I'm just yeah. saying. yeah. You are missing Justin Davis. You put a Dory Jackson on offense in a big role. Can Arizona handle him? No, they can't. I believe USC's cornerbacks will be fine against Arizona's receivers. They might have a few mismatches and problems, but maybe Dory Jackson has to stay on defense a little bit. But, you know, USC's corners can handle that assignment. I don't think Arizona's defense can handle a Dory. I want him with the ball in his hands with Justin Davis missing if I'm USC. Huh. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little torn on that. I think that the secondary is playing the way it is in large part because of Adore, because quarterbacks aren't even throwing to his side on most occasions. You know, he did give up a touchdown in his last game. But uh, more often than not, they're not even looking his way. And you saw the interception that he made. He's playing corner better than he's ever played it. And so, I, I mean, I've, I've always been a guy that thought Adoree could do both and needed to play on offense to some degree. Never never full scale, never 50-50, but more of like a an 80-20 maybe. Even 85-15. I, I don't know. If you're talking about like, pulling him from defense or maybe splitting him down the middle? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if I'd do 50-50, but I, they usually use none, right? It's yeah, 0% right. Or one play. So give me a percentage I, and I'll 20, go 20, 25, maybe okay. 30 even. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so 25, 30, that rings my ear a little bit. But uh, I understand what you mean now. And um, I would be willing to borrow him. I, I think it's a, basically a borrow for, you know, closer to 15 to 20. And uh, here's why. And I, I also know that they're not going to do it anyway. But <laughs> let's be honest. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do it. No. But, but here's why I would, I would be willing to do it um, to, to some degree. Because um, they're moving the ball. 
you know, this isn't, and they're not playing Alabama and Stanford, right? We, we've hit, we've kind of beat that point to the ground, but, yes. um, but so they're not, they're not dealing with that with Arizona. And, uh, and so they're moving the ball like, like they haven't in a long time. I mean, you know, 500 yards, plus yards, back-to-back games. Donald's thrown for 350 back-to-back games. Um, Justin had run for 120 back-to-back games, and he was well on his way in this one as well. So um, they're, they're moving the ball, and I think a big part of it is Justin Davis. So I'm very curious to see how they move the ball without him because we saw what happened at the, in the later part of this Colorado game. We saw what happened in the fourth quarter of the, the Utah game. But my hunch is they'll be able to move the ball fairly well. It, it might not be to the tune of 550 yards, but I don't think they're going to get stuck like we saw you know, earlier in the year and like we saw in the latter half of last year. It's going to be something in between. And so that's why I would like a Dory because I think he definitely can take the top off and, and give you that, that added dimension, give you something more to worry about. They're missing explosiveness. Rojo right now hasn't been able to provide it. So who is it? You know, it, it's Juju, who he's not a burner. He's, he's a big play receiver because he can make things happen after the catch. But he's not this consummate downfield guy either. They, they don't have it. If, if Rojo's not there, then they really don't have it. It would be a Dory. So I think you need him for something. But I also think that you need him primarily on defense. Yeah, I agree with that. That's his, that's his position now. But, but I think he's gotten so good. You know, borrow that guy. I, yeah, I remember in the, in the last two years, um, or more, let's say more last year, where I, I felt like, you know, there were times where he was just okay at cornerback. Not, not a lot of the time, but sometimes he was just okay. More often than not, he was probably above average. I, I didn't think he was elite for most of the year. And so that's where I thought the drop-off from him to the next guy um, which was Kevon Seymour, <laughs> wasn't pronounced. But right now, who's the third corner? It's Jonathan Lockett, who has been playing his best football, but he's banged up again. He had to come out. He, he re-aggravated the spring shoulder. So he might be limited or he might be out in this game. So your next corner would be Ajene Harris. And Ajene is still new to the position. And he's had some growing pains. And so it would be Biggie and Ajene or Biggie and Langley who doesn't play. We don't see much of. So he's an unknown. Langley might be, might be getting a raw deal right now. I, I thought that they needed to use him, and I'm surprised that they haven't. And so I'm not counting him out, but you don't turn him into a 40-snap guy on the fly. So they don't really have that insurance that they had last year with Kevon Seymour. Oh, and, and there's Jack Jones. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention Jack because he'd been banged up of late. He also hasn't played a lot. I think a lot of people think that Jack should be playing a lot more than he is and also feel like Biggie should move to safety. That's a whole other topic. But just looking at, at Jack right now, I also wouldn't be comfortable just throwing him out there for, you know, forty percent, fifty percent of the game. I don't, I don't think that he's proven that he can handle that yet. So, you know, if if one of them, if Biggie or Dory got hurt, then you don't have a choice. But right now, you do have a choice, and I think you you ride a Dory at corner, but I would incorporate him on offense more than they have the entire season because he's played about a dozen plays you know, for, in the totality of the year. That's, that's not enough. Like, uh-huh. Especially, sorry, one more thing, especially early in the year it, where versus Alabama versus Stanford, I mean, gosh, a game where you really could, could take a cornerback away and be okay. That game more than, more than any other, I think it was just a, 
a huge mistake by the staff not using him on offense. And, and that really that really uh, was the case not only this year, but then last year in the Pac-12 title game. They, they threw 12 passes in that game. And in this one, they threw 15. Stanford, that is. Well, why, why have a Dory out there full-time? Anyway. I was going to make a joke anyway. Oh, make it. I was just going to say, I'm glad you mentioned Keevon Seymour. He's the Max Brown of cornerbacks. Ah, uh, that, that's you, good. That's a good joke. There's the that's mention. Good. There's the mention. And I return to the show. Hey, yeah, are you okay? Yeah, I've just been, my voice isn't good, so I've just been letting you guys do it. Nobody wants I know, to we're try, we're trying to kind of carry it for Nobody you. Nobody wants to hear this. No, not. it sounds good, though. I don't think so. I, I appreciate you yeah. carrying it, though. Sometimes it's still it, better than mine. It takes two men to carry uh, to carry me sometimes. Um, like you guys mentioned, Saturday at Arizona, up in Tucson, 12.30 p.m. What, what's the road trip like? We're getting close to Halloween. You guys going to pack some travel-sized Kit Kats with you, some Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? What do you got? I always have those with me, so business as usual, I guess. I'm, I'm a Fig Newton kind of guy. That's not Fig surprising. Fig Newton? On That's Halloween, awesome. you are Mormon. No, just more for for flights. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. You seem like no, the guy, I though. I don't celebrate Halloween. <laughs> oh, you don't a, celebrate Halloween? A, I'm a grown man. Yeah, but you got to get into the spirit a little bit, dress up. Yeah, go to college parties. <laughs> Pass out some candy to children. Yeah. I, Drive we'll around probably, in a white van. We'll probably do something because it's the first one. Well, no, I should, sorry. It's, it's the second it's one. The second for my son because he was born just before Halloween. But last year, I was out. We were on the road. Where were we? I Cal. can't remember. Cal. Cal? Yeah. Okay. Right. I don't know. I know that we were so. gone. I think, yeah. So um, I wasn't here for that. But uh, this year, we'll, we'll be around. I'll be around. Yay. Um, prediction for this really fast. I know that like later we do that, but I just want to know if things have changed for you, Adam, for Arizona, because we both thought this was a potential loss before the season, right? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a trap game. Um, I think it's still a trap game. Maybe not as much of one. Arizona can play so badly. I know that they gave Washington a really good game. But that isn't their norm. They they really have a low floor. And they have a I think a pretty modest ceiling. Where I, I think this USC ceiling has gotten fairly high, at least relative to the conference. You know, it, this isn't the the two thousand four standard I'm applying here. Okay. But but right now, I think, uh, like I said, they could be the second-best team in the Pac-12. And so, I think it, it would take a lot for them to lose this game. It would take a performance like versus Stanford. If they play Arizona the way they play Utah, they're going to win that game by 10 points. I, I think it would take you know, one of their worst games of the year to lose the game. Yeah, I agree. I think before the season, I, I thought this was a game that USC definitely could have lost, and I, and I thought that I might pick them to lose when the time came. Um, now, I think USC is a totally different team than they even were a couple of weeks ago, and honestly, I think USC is going to beat Arizona so badly that it's going to be a statement game. I think it's going to be a game that really gets people talking about USC again. I expect USC to, to put up close to 50 points on Arizona. I think they're just going to just absolutely mutilate the Wildcats. That's my prediction. Hmm. Well, wow. It is important in the, you know, in the respect that they have to win on the road. They haven't won on the road in a while. And they just haven't played real well on the road. You know, they, they didn't play that well at Colorado. They didn't play that well at Cal last year. So, you know, Helkin, um, while, while he's been, you know, the, the coach or, you know, whether it's the interim coach or the permanent coach, 
the best that they played was probably at Notre Dame on the fly when when he took over with uh, a few just a few days to prepare. That was probably their best road game while he's been the head coach. So it would be nice for them to to put up you know a half a hundred or forty whatever. It's going to happen. Looks like the you opening spread is only minus seven, minus seven and a half, it looks like. That's surprising. It's because USC's score last week didn't yeah, that's tell true. the whole story. That's really what I think. Well, there, no, there's another reason why. And this is actually a point that you made last year, and I'm going to bring it back because I think it was a really good one. You had said that when there aren't a lot of great teams in the conference, then – Anyone can lose on the road. Yeah. And so USC can lose this game. Oh, it yeah, I think they It can. wouldn't be shocking. We don't expect it. And I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't think many people would pick that to happen, even Arizona people. But it isn't like USC just has demonstrated, you know, uh, the maturity that, that a team has when they just, when they, when, wherever they play, they play well. They haven't done that yet. They haven't, in fact, they haven't played well at all away from the Coliseum. So I think we're seeing that parity uh, kick in with, with that, that line that you talk about. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you. For me, what what makes me feel like, and, and I also, I totally believe USC could lose this game. I definitely believe that. I still think it's a trap game. I still think it could go very wrong for them. But I do expect it to be a blowout because Arizona's defense, I feel like, cannot stop USC. They have a rush defense that, in terms of you know rushing yards allowed per game, is 89th in the country. Their pass defense, in terms of passing yards allowed per game, they're 102nd in the country. I just don't think they're going to stop USC from scoring if USC doesn't turn the ball over. Um, against Colorado, a defense that I really respect, I think USC could have almost scored half 100. I think that because Arizona's defense is so questionable, there's that potential there. I think USC doesn't continue to turn the ball over this many times. I just don't see it. I think they just keep scoring. And the way the USC defense has been playing and with this matchup, I think that they'll be fine and they'll be able to hold Arizona down a bit. So that's really what I'm expecting. All right. I had a couple questions for both of you. Morales, did you happen to watch the highlights? No, I did not. I apologize. Uh, no, it's okay. I just wanted to uh, get your take on a couple things here, but I'll, I'll go through it with, with Chris. What did you think was the more spectacular play? The reception by Darius or the interception by Dory? In terms of... Uh, well, the, the Darius one was more meaningful. That's not yes. what I'm asking. Okay, but, then the Dory well, Jackson's was, interception. Okay. Because to me, the Darius Rogers play, while great, I feel like was also about the Colorado defensive back. I feel like if you, if Dory Jackson was lined up next to, you know, across from Darius Rogers on that play, Dory Jackson would pick that ball off. I believe anyway, I'm not entirely sure, but that's what I believe. I watched Dory Jackson's interception. I'm like, that's just a freak display. That's something that, you know, people just can't do. I feel like, well, Darius yeah. Rogers play was like that. It also was a missed opportunity by another player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're different, and and you're right. I mean, the, the play that Dory made, we've seen it maybe you know from Charles Woodson almost 20 years ago. It's very rare, and uh, just unbelievable. The play that that Darius made, I, I love it. I just that's a play where it, it almost feels like the whole team can feed off of that. I've always felt like a Dory, everybody's in awe of him, even his teammates. And I, I wonder some, somewhat how that impacts them. But the play that Darius made was gritty and tough and, and just full of passion and heart. 
And uh, I don't know. It it might be that play that um, we look back on, you know, years from now, depending on how the season goes. It's one of those plays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, all right. The, the other the other one I had for you was uh, what did you think about Juju going down after getting the first down uh, right there at the end of the fourth quarter when you know he could have ran it into the end zone? I I felt bad for everybody that gambled on that game. <laughs> okay. Um, I I mean, I guess it was smart, right? I mean, I didn't know because I I didn't really think of it that way because I figured that if he did score, you know, if he did end up. Yeah, they they won. So I didn't think about that because, I mean, they go up by 11. I guess possibly you could say they're up 10, right, after the score. They kick an extra point. It's blocked, return for two. Now they're up six, and Colorado scores a touchdown, kicks an extra point, and wins. So there's that, you know, 0.005% possibility that that could happen. But, yeah, I didn't think it really mattered. But I guess, you know, it's the mature decision given clock management, right? I mean, he obviously thought of that math that I just thought of right now or something. Well, your math was off, but yeah. (laughs) It wasn't, but I mean, like, they they could possibly win, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, No, I mean, okay, so if if he scores a touchdown, they go up 10, and then the extra point would be 11. With your scenario, if you Ah, block block the extra point and run it back, it would be a one-point play, and it would be nine. Um, No, that counts for two. No, a two-point conversion counts for two. I know, but 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 the extra point is one. I know, but if you block it and return it, you get two. Yeah, I could be wrong then. Okay, it it, it could be eight. Yeah, if I'm wrong on that. So they could technically tie it, I guess. It wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's just such It just never happened is the point. You know, and so, um, but let's say, okay, you you get the extra point, and you're up by 11. Basically, that's more the math that that we're working with here. You're up by 11, and there are less than two minutes left, and you're kicking off. The game's over. Yeah, it's over. It, it, I mean, it's it's not even like a half a percent. It's it's such a fraction of a percentage of of it of you losing that game, which is uh, I think actually less than what it would be just um, snapping the ball a couple more times like they did. You know that that's obviously highly improbable as well. But you could fumble that too. Because yeah. you'd be up by four. You know, they were up by four. Basically, they chose to be up by four, and then now they're snapping and taking the knee. I agree. But, but that exchange could come out. And so that's not really the point. I mean, either way, you're winning the game. I just thought it was curious that he did that. You know, to, to bypass the touchdown. Yeah, I, I, he's a stud mathematician with his team with a team first mentality. So there you go. Well, but so scoring a touchdown isn't team first. I I guess technically with the math that we got to, I mean, you could argue that it is right. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right. But that's why I think it's kind of funny. I'm hearing that you know Helkin saying that you know what great leadership and and you know and it's going to be lauded as being unselfish. But I never knew that scoring a touchdown would be selfish. Or had he scored, would help him be saying, like, he made the wrong decision. I wish he wouldn't have gone into the end zone. Well, he definitely wouldn't have said that. Right. Yeah. So, Maybe it, Juju had some money on Colorado. Right. No, yeah, yeah, I had like, to say it, didn't I, you? Right. I, you I, know, I, I need to make that clear. I was not alluding to that. Okay, I, I was not. I, That's where I took it. I, right. I can understand. That sorry. Sorry. It it's a joke. Sorry. No, no, it's, it's good. No, no I have to I'm make that one. clear, though, because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to get in trouble for implying that USC players are gambling on games. No, right? No, 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 no. I don't no. think that. Absolutely not. That's not what I'm uh, alluding to. I just thought it was curious. I don't know. I, I want to know what other people thought about it because I thought it was peculiar to do that. I wonder if Max Brown bets on the games now that he's. Not in. <laughs> All right, uh, Saturday. At Arizona, you think they're going to wear the full blues for a twelve thirty kickoff? The Wildcats? No, I, 
I would expect if I were Arizona, I'd wear white and make USC wear their home uniforms in the heat. But that's just me. <laughs> okay. There you go. It's going to be Tucson. We get more on the road trip. We promise a midweek message board show this time because the Friday extravaganza packing it all into one. Oh, see, even the honkers outside, they don't like it. Uh, they they wanna, don't like the Friday wanna... show. Nobody listened to the 9 p.m. Friday show. So know, thank you to you two people. That, that won't happen again. Don't worry. We need to do a midweek show. I like a midweek blitz and a midweek bolt We're burst. We're doing midweek shows I like, now on I like now burst, on. an early Friday morning burst. Hi, everybody. Enjoy uh, your Monday. Enjoy your few days here. Questions will be up on the message board at trojansports.com for you to answer. Or for you to give us your questions, I guess I should say. Sorry, guys, the, the throat. Hearing my own throat like this is just throwing me. Yeah, I don't like it. I like it. I'm, I like I'm, it a I'm lot. turning myself on. Um, you don't sound like the ladies' man at all, though. Be sure to subscribe at Trojansports.com. <laughs> that was a bad joke. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, if you're not a premium subscriber, and be sure to check us out on iTunes. Subscribe there as well to the show. Trojansports.com on iTunes. On Audio Boom. Click the other tab at Trojan Sports. Go down to podcast. It's right there, baby doll. Okay? For Adam Maya, at Adam J. Maya, at Chris P. Swanson, I am at CMM Spectrum, Chris Morales. Enjoy your Monday, folks. I'm going to drink some tea, and we'll talk to you in a few days. Holla. <laughs>